0: Hello and welcome to The Midweeks with Pastor Rob. I want to talk again today about monasteries and monks. This is monasteries and monks part two. And it's part of our turning points through church history uh, series that we're doing. I I really enjoy church history. I wouldn't say I'm a church historian. I I forget way more than I ever remember, but I I like to know the context of, you know, what God has done between the resurrection and today so that I I can kind of get a sense of its family history. It's part of who I am as a Christian to know what God's been doing and what brothers and sisters have been doing in the world since uh, the resurrection from the dead. And so the turning point we're talking about now is the development of monks and monasteries and really... In one sense, Mark Knowles says it's about the completion of St. Benedict's uh, rule for running monasteries, which was probably the most influential book written on how a monastery should function, how it should run. And we talked last time about how monasteries became the backbone for the spread of the church, these communities that were devoted to God in prayer, in study and in um, service and uh, living together a uh, devoted life to the Lord and to one another and out of these monasteries or as these monasteries spread they would really spread um, Christianity and out of these monasteries came many of the church planters uh, that helped spread uh, Christianity throughout the world and now today I just want to talk about some of the the drawbacks or the difficulties about monks and the monasteries. And one of them is um, with groups of people who were le- kind of leaving regular life to have this devoted life in the monastery, they really developed this two-tiered sense of what it mean to, meant to be a Christian. They were kind of like your regular ones, and then there were the especially holy ones or the especially... Uh, spiritual ones who would become monks or nuns, and uh, that isn't how the New Testament describes how the faith works. Um, If you're in Jesus, if you're a Christian, you are a saint. You are holy. You're set apart to God, and so you can kind of see, you know, if you look read through church history, there's all these people who become saints, you know, Saint Teresa, Saint Benedict, Saint um, Athanasius. They, They saint Augustine you know they get the the title of saint added to their names and i'm sure this has there's deeper stuff than than just saying this what i'm about to say but in one sense you know everyone who is in christ is a saint so it's not just these people who either lived exemplary lives which is good or people who have written exemplary books which are also good it's not just them who are saints everybody who is in christ is a saint and that's why paul addresses all his letters to the saints of Rome or the saints of Philippi or the saints of um, Colossae, he addresses the entire Christian community, the entire church as saints. And so um, the monastic movement, which was kind of trying to reject worldliness and um, embracing a more spiritual life, it's almost impossible not to see reality as kind of two-tiered faith. There's moms and dads farming, doing their peasant work, and then there's the real saints who are in a monastery or whatever it is. And that that's just not how the Bible looks at it. There's just different callings. Now, of course, there is something to, to be said about how you spend your time. And so the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians talking about whether or not people should get married, he says, you know, I wish everyone was like me and was single because you have more opportunity to be devoted to the Lord. You're not taking care of a husband. You're not taking care of a wife. What he's talking about there is really about, you know, um, time and whether or not you have distractions. Not that marriage is a bad distraction. It's a good one, but you've got people to take care of. And so what he's saying is, you know, if you are single, you have more time to spend with the Lord. And that is true. And that is good. But it's not um, what makes someone a saint or set apart. It's It's just part of the calling. And so Jesus says, you know, when they're talking about marriage and the disciples say, maybe it's better not to get married. Jesus says, some people have that gift. Some people are called by God to not be married, but other people aren't given that gift. They're given the gift of marriage instead. And he doesn't say one's, one's more spiritual or better than the other. He just says they have different gifts, different callings to devotion. So there's this thing that two tiered, two levels of spirituality kind of model and thought, which is not helpful because really it just leaves your average Christian person kind of maybe not feeling the sense of real missional calling that they would have in their own life. Uh, One of the other problems with the monasteries is that because they were living under a strict rule, um, it would not be difficult at all to substitute the rule for true growth in Christ. Okay, so scripturally, um, Paul in the book of Colossians, he rejects the idea that harsh treatment of the body actually deals with the root of sin. And I would think that it's not hard, it wouldn't be a a false extension to, to say that he might say, you know, a vow of celibacy and a vow of chastity, a vow of poverty and a vow of obedience doesn't actually deal with sin only Christ deals with sin and only growth in Christ and growth in Christ likeness is true freedom from sin we we are saved by grace through faith and it's the work of the Holy Spirit that transforms us and so the, w- with the monasteries you had these really rigorous lifestyles that potentially really never touched the heart and this is not something that's exclusive to the monasteries I think every church movement um, whether it's the Reformation, or um, the Pentecostal movement—every church movement is tempted to turn the the vibrant life of a move of God into rules, and then, which which in itself isn't the problem, but then someone can come along and obey the rules and not have the heart. Someone can come along and outwardly obey the rules and not be born again, or not be growing in faith in Christ, and not having the the structures of life serving the relationship of, with Christ instead of the structures of life replacing relationship with Christ or obedience to Christ or faith in Christ and knowing Christ and so the monasteries had that issue where they would uh, regularly grow and then go into a decline and become hypocritical and superficial. And then what often would happen, then there'd be another movement that would come through and start another monastic order, which would be vibrant and grow and full of faith and kind of renew other monasteries, but then it would go hard again, and it would... uh, it would just be, be about rules and the outward stuff until God revives it again. And so the monasteries suffered that issue, even though the lives were very rigorous and the seven times of prayer day and study and work and all that stuff, even though it was very structured towards godliness, um, godliness is a work of the spirit and it's accomplished by faith and submission and um, a, a rigorous life or a disciplined life can help and can work in accords with it, or it can be a substitute for that. And so that is a main issue. And one of the things that that came out of that, um, or so, a, th- a third and final issue with the monasteries was they were just as open to corruption as anything else is. And that's part of why the Reformation happened, was that um, the, the entire church had become very, very, very... Uh, corrupt whether it's politically corrupt or um you know corrupt with immorality it it had become very corrupt and there were some real pushes from within the church to uh, fix things but eventually it just led to this need for a real reformation based on scripture and a return to the scriptures and so the uh, the monasteries were no uh, defense against bad theology and corrupt practices coming into the church, even though they had these really strict lives. So anyhow, long story short, just as a reminder, the monastic movement, which really had its heyday for about a 1,000 years, starting in the late 300s, early 400s, lots of different monastery movements and these communities building their lives around God in prayer, in study, and in work that were uh, set up all around Um, the known world were the backbone of spreading the church and the health of the church and really improving the lives and the culture of the peoples that christianity was impacting their lives so a huge movement and if you want to i think there's some monasteries kind of north of winnipeg you could go check out if you'd like to do that otherwise next week we're going to be moving on to charlemagne and what happened when a pope crowned him emperor, and how that was a major turning point in church history. Be blessed.